This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Activist theology is built on the power of story, and we believe story can change the world. We also know that being in community with one another on this journey will help to build a movement committed to collective liberation and a more loving world. We have a commitment to the ethics and politics of Encajunto, or togetherness, and we are together in this work with you. Hi, folks. This is Dr. Robin. Hi, y'all. This is Reverend Anna Galladay, and we are your hosts for the Activist Theology Podcast. It's time for us to get our hands dirty. We're ready. Are you? Pastor, how are you? Dr. Robin, it has been a week. It has totally been a week. Like, I I don't know whether to crawl in a hole or run into the street screaming or, uh, I don't know, crawl in a hole sounds much, much better to me right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I. Yeah. For me, I have felt the dueling sides of my white ancestry and my Mexican ancestry dueling together, trying to exist, and it mirrors what's happening in the world. And right. and it's, I mean, the world is fraught right now with images of Black American not being able to breathe. Black Americans being disproportionately impacted by COVID nineteen. I mean, we've really, we've really got a shitstorm going on right now. Yeah, and it's uh, every time I think we've um, ticked the dial a little closer to liberation, something happens, and I'm just more and more convinced that. Um, we are like, we black, we're backsliding We're we yeah. are not, we are not in any way moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, and I just don't understand how that, that can be the case. I, I, I just don't understand. Yeah. Well, you know, I think about. I I posted so so we're all familiar with what's happening in the world right now. George yeah. Floyd was yeah, sorry, friends. Was, was murdered by four Minneapolis police officers um who were white and one was an Asian American. Right. One was just, Asian American. I mean, yes, just just so we're you know identifying correctly. Um which is a whole nother conversation, but Right. Right. So they were fired by either the mayor or the police chief. I can't get the story right. The New York Times said the mayor, but other people saying that it was police chief. But they were fired. Right. So the, the question is, okay, 
does being fired um, assuage a lost life? Are they going to be prosecuted? Right. And I was on Facebook yesterday. I posted the article. I was lamenting and and crying out really that things have got to change. And someone commented and said, well, we just need to take away all the guns. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I thought to myself, George Floyd didn't have a gun. Right. The, the police officers had guns, but didn't use them to kill him. Right. I mean, he's, you know, someone said, said uh, on the news last night, um, you know, it's so weird because there, like, there was no weapon involved. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a weapon involved. Right. It was his, his fucking knee. knee. His fucking yeah. knee yeah. killed a man. I mean, for, for the second time in six years, a knee of a police officer has been placed on the neck of a man of color. And, and, and that man of color has died. Yeah. Now, and those are the two knees and men, men of color that we know about. Right. I mean, who knows how many others have happened that, that we don't know about. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's eerily reminiscent of Eric Gardner. Right. It's, it's also highly problematic that we are so quick to say, um, you know, well, you know, he, he may have been dangerous. He may have had a gun. You know, there, there, there could have been, you know, the, their lives were at, at risk. Um, we, we, we don't know that. And we, not only do we not know that, but we don't assume that. I mean, God, Mm -hmm. I listened to that video and I, I cry every time I watch it because George Floyd continued to posture himself as a second rate slave to these men continuing to say, yes, sir, no, sir, please take your neck, your, your knee off my neck, please. I can't breathe, sir. I can't breathe. I mean, this, this vernacular that reaffirmed his understanding of, of his class. Right. And, and yet, and yet no matter how polite he sounded, no matter how nicely he asked, that fucker killed him with his knee on the street while people watched. And while three of his other fellow police officers stood and watched it happen. I mean, I'm, I'm incensed. I, I know you can hear that in my voice, but I'm just, I'm yeah. incensed. And I, I vacillate between being so mad I could spit nails and so sad that I'm just sobbing incontrollably. Well, you know, my thought is we've just created an, a new clan in the police force. And so no longer do they wear mm. white hoods. Mm. Yeah. But they're in they're in patrol outfits and and this is a deadly force and we we just keep recreating systems that is killing black Americans. And I said on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter last night, we are watching the genocide of black America. Yes. Yes. The genocide. 
And when is it going to stop? He wasn't a threat. There was nothing that he did that that were that in any way gave those officers the right to kill him. He was not going to in any way harm them. He passed a counterfeit what what the bar thought was a counterfeit twenty dollar bill. Who knows right. if he even knew it was a counterfeit twenty dollar right. bill. You know, this is a man who has been laid off from his res- restaurant job since the pandemic, showed up last week to pay his rent on time, and was murdered in the street yeah. because someone suspected that he might have passed a, a $20 bill that was counterfeit. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with us? Well, I mean, we're sick. We are a sick people who 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 don't know how to treat each other with any kind of dignity or respect. Not even not even our own people. Right. But let me tell you, this 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 George Floyd, I mean, I just I was beside myself yesterday reading everything. Yeah. I had to physically step away from it. I I um I am finding that I have to do that I have to be real conscientious of my own self-care needs when I right. uh when I'm navigating uh stories like yesterday's um because I will I mean, I, it's no secret to many of you. I, you know, I'm someone that suffers from depression and anxiety and, and I am medicated and I'm well medicated and I, I am. We like those meds. We, we, I, 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 they save my life every single day. Um, but I have to, I have to step away from, um, news and articles and social media for, segments of my day anymore because I just, I can't, it just continues to just feel like an elephant on my chest. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't do it. And so I was even, you know, Rachel Maddow is, I mean, one of our collective favorites. Um, yep. we love her. Uh, but I mean, even as I was watching the news last night, I was like, you know what, I'm going to mute this for a little while and I don't know, play a game or do a crossword puzzle or yeah. pet the dog or something. Like yeah. I just, I just can't, I can't continue to watch it. Um, and I think about the, I think about black Americans who that's, that that's all, that's all that they can see and, mm-hmm. and black death. I mean, we could have a conversation around why the news continually replays the video. I mean, it's re-traumatizing to people. Right. Right. No matter how many times they say, be careful because what we're about to show you um, is disturbing. Well, no shit. Don't, don't show it again. Right. On the one hand, we want to make people aware of this slave patrol. Right. The new clan, as I'm calling it. But on the other hand, 
we don't need to re-traumatize people who are at risk. And and how do we find that balance? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just I'm just pissed off is what I, I am. I know. I'm pissed off too. I think I think both of us are kind of in this space of just it, just being incensed and and yeah. and and lamenting and mm-hmm. um I and I don't know you know, I, I hesitate to have conversations like the conversation that you and I are having right now um, without having a voice of, um, a, a, a black voice of color in, mm-hmm. in the midst. Um, I don't ever want to feel as if I'm trying to work out the shit of the world uh, from only my own perspective. Right. And yet, um, it's, it, it is, it's my people that are, that are problematic in this work. And, you know, I had a, um, I got into a pretty interesting dialogue behind the walls of social media after a, 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 a post I made to white people this weekend. And this was actually before, um, George was George's murder was was publicized and yeah um you know I had a dear friend who said you know like all all posts like that do is make us feel like assholes right like make us feel like we can't like like what are we supposed to do you know we stop we shut down when you know when you say like white people like check your shit figure it out. Um, and a- another colleague reached out to me and, and wanted to dialogue about that and wanted to do it off of social media, which I actually appreciated. Um, but I think that, you know, I, I want to be engaged in this conversation with, with my black siblings, but at the same time, like we, we, I, my white people we've we have to figure our crap out yeah we we have got to figure out how to do this work and work through the transformation of our perspectives sans the labor of black people um it is incumbent on them to help us navigate you know where we continue to go wrong Right. That's exactly what I was going to say, that it's that it's not the labor for people of color to do. Right. Some people of color, and I would include myself in this, but I'm white passing, and I believe that it's it's a gift that I have to be able to do this work. Some people of color will be in conversation with white people, but... We shouldn't expect black people in particular to be the ones to help us understand what's wrong with George Floyd being murdered. Right. So I'm yeah. glad that I'm glad that you took it offline. And I mean, I had a lot of online conversations yeah. yesterday. I mean, I um, had online ones too, but yeah, I, I don't, there, there's, there's just some, there is some point where, we have to, like, we have to figure out, like, what, what, 
what we are going to do, how we are going to act. And, and look, I, I saw so many people this morning, so many white folk this morning chatting about privilege and Black Lives Matter. And we, you know, if, if this doesn't disturb you, what's wrong with you? And, you know, um, and, and as much as I value their voices Mm -hmm. and affirm their willingness to step into the conversation, the large majority of them are absolutely invisible when things like this aren't happening in the news. That it Um, takes things like this to get... Right. (laughs) Right. And yet they are here when things like this happen in my city and Mm -hmm. they're not in the streets. They're not talking to our police chief. They're not, you know, having conversations with, with, um, you know, with, with neighborhoods. They're not on their, you know, what I perceive to be one of the newest, you know, versions of racial profiling, which is the next door app. Um, Yeah you know, where, where people chat all the time about a suspicious person was seen walking in front of my home on my ringer video. Um, what was suspicious about him? Oh, he was black. Mm -hmm. That's it. And these people aren't challenging those kinds of posts on their, on their neighborhood apps. I, I want to know where they're going to be every day in between today and the next day that a black man or woman or sibling is murdered in a street and it makes the national news. Right. I want to know where they are in between these days. Yeah. Not where they are today and not where they are the next time this happens publicly and and nationally, but where are they on the in-between days? Mm -hmm. Because that, that's what matters to me. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting to me that you made a comment or or, or named um, our our police forces as a new version of um, or a new s- similarity to the the Klan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, prior to us listening to the lament over George's murder, we watched this weekend a white woman attempt to call the Klan in to Central Park to disarm a bird watcher because he wanted her to put her dog on a leash. Which, by the way, there are signs in right. Central Park that say you have to leash your fucking dog. Right. So BTW, it's the rule. Right. <laughs> um, but- but but white people don't like to abide by the rules because they're free to do whatever the hell they want to do. Well, that's not the case here. Right. But, you know, I mean, Amy Cooper sure as heck was prepared to call in officers on someone that she perceived to challenge her whiteness. Right. And let's make no mistake. She had zero concern as to whether 
that that man was injured by the police, was right. cuffed by the police, was arrested by the police, was thrown into a car by the police, was assaulted in a prison cell by the police, was murdered by the police. She had zero concern for any of those things on the spectrum that could have happened to him. All she right. wanted was him to shut up and for him to move away from her and to stop telling right. her what to do. Right. And so lest we think that this mentality of supremacist culture is only related to non-black police officers. And I mean, and we can talk, I mean, there are problems with our yeah. police force across the board, but lest we think that the police force is the only place where this mentality is pervasive. I mean, Amy Cooper showed real clearly this weekend that she is as willing to perpetuate a supremacist understanding of white values as uh, the police officer did when he put his knee on George Floyd's neck. Right. And let's remember this type of scenario, we have a history. And if people aren't remembering, because white America doesn't have a historical memory, let us remember that this type of white woman t calling the police, telling a lie, is exactly what got Emmett Till killed. Exactly. Yes. So let Thank us you for remember. Naming that. Thank you for naming that. Let us remember that white women in particular have a responsibility to, to get their shit together and to unhinge from their, the, the, their own value of being better than anyone else. Right. I mean, we, we are all invested in these systems of power that divest others from their humanity. Mm -hmm. Every, every one of us, <clears throat> the question is, what are we going to do about it? And, and at what point is enough enough? And I, right. I continue to think that we have come to the point where enough is enough. And yes, I mean, that, that is me as a white woman still fully entrenched in supremacy culture and the things that I'm trying to unwind in my own head and, and unplug from my own brain. And, and some of which is a bit of a Pollyanna, you know, I, I, I believe we are better than this mentality. Yeah. And yet, and yet, and yet we can't, we just can't or won't do it. Well, you know, I actually, I mean, I believe that we can learn to be human with one another again, but I actually believe that um, white America wants to remain in power mm, and yeah. wants and wants to um, and wants actually black indigenous and people of color to be second-rate citizens because white America is comfortable with their privilege. Yes. Now, we can unlearn that, but white America has to be willing to, to change the way that they are treated 
if they're gonna if white America is gonna divest from privilege and from supremacy culture, then they will be treated differently. And I think white America doesn't want to be treated differently. White America right. wants to remain in power. They like the control. They they you know for fuck's sake they like having an author authoritarian government. Right. Because it keeps their power alive. Yes. And that is dangerous, and that is death-bringing, and we are killing Black America. Yes, we are. I am... Oh, God. I wonder what... I mean, you are... I mean, you are one of the the people that I look to when Mm -hmm. I am uh, confused or... Uh, feeling loathsome about myself and and yeah. my lack of of awareness or my lack of ability to 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 deepen myself in the work. Um, one of the things that you have often suggested to me, and I'm putting you a little bit on the spot here, but one of the things you've often suggested to me is that I should, you know, read more, that I should learn more from those who have come before me. Mm-hmm. Um, there are probably a lot of folks listening to this podcast who have read and have, you know, done their homework and have tried to divest themselves of some of their privilege. I mean, when we talked to Mike McCarg uh, several months ago, you know, he he made a point that one of the things that he did when he was really trying to understand uh, what his role was in the world as a white man was that he read scholars and and people of color and and read the works of those that whose voices he felt were important um are you if if you were to if you were to give some some like a a list uh even a quick down and dirty list of folks of Mm -hmm. who they should be listening to who they should be reading how they should be um helping themselves name what they're seeing um i and i say this because i want people that listen to us to not think that that all we do is is bitch about white people um i mean i (laughs) but because i think that it's important that we figure out how to how to break the cycle and we're going to only do that when more people become willing to commit themselves to breaking the cycle right right Right. Who, who should people be reading? Who should people be listening to? Whose Twitter should people be following? Like if you were to put together and, and maybe we maybe the easiest thing to, is you just name a few and then we'll put together a comprehensive list that we can share with folks. But yeah. I, I would love for you to just give some people some ideas of who who the, who they should be listening to right now in this moment. Yeah, well, I love Ibram X. Kendi's book, How to Become an Anti-Racist. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has not been out very long. Um, I love that book. I think yeah. that that book and, 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 and Dr. Kendi is a black professor and author, and he is doing labor that we could all benefit from. And, and, and I continue to read anti-racist, anti-oppression material because I very much, you know, I wake up every morning as a mixed race Latinx, but who is white right. passing. And so I have to continue on my own journey of divesting. 
And so I continue to read. Um, so Ibram X. Kendi's book. I love Robin D'Angelo's White Fragility. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, there's so many. I, um, you should follow um, the Center for Anti-Racism, which is um, Ibram X. Kendi's. Um, he's the, mm-hmm. I, I think, the director there. Um I mean, there there's so much that we could be consuming right now, right? And if you're just and if you're just getting started uh, on this journey, there's lots of resources online. I know that I know that Aaron posted um, resources for white folks last yeah. night, and that's something that we can share. Um, but there's a lot of there's so much and and I know that we're inundated but if you if people will just pick up a book right. um and start reading start conversing with us or with other people part of part of it is we need to start reading yes we need to um we need to be a part of a conversation but more than that this is this is about an orientation in the world. Yeah. We need to be oriented toward anti-racist behaviors, anti-racist ideology, anti-racist policies and and we're not there yet because we still believe that having a black friend makes us anti-racist. Right. Well friends, that's not enough. Having a right. black friend is not does not equal being anti-racist and in my and in the way i think you're either racist or anti-racist there's no such thing as being not a racist mm. you're either racist or anti-racist i like that i like i like that i don't know if i've ever heard you say that before yeah i mean i think we need to get that i think we need to get real i mean right but i need to think about it yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that our people's white fragility um, and privilege prevents them from from becoming anti-racist. They they want to say, no, 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 no. We're I, I'm not racist. I mean, I vote Democrat. Well, <laughs> I mean, that 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 doesn't mean anything to me. You know, right? I mean, heck, some of our you know some of the candidates for the you know office of the presidency are Democrats who, and and Democrats that are women who have been involved in prosecuting and overtly prosecuting black people more so than anyone else. Um, You know, one of which is a black woman, Kamala Harris, looking at you. One is the senator of the state where George Floyd made his home. Amy Klobuchar, I'm looking at you. I mean, you know, we we have got to we have got to stop linking our our, our solely our political um, social uh, perspectives with the ways in which we are in liberation with one another. Right. Um, you're right. It's it's not enough to simply say, "Well, I'm a liberal, and I right. and I believe in the rights of everyone." Um, that that is that is that is barely sticking your toe in the water. Um, well, and let's just go a little bit deeper to that. That 
we want to talk about equality, but we don't want to talk about equity. Yes. Yes. And equity would have different things. (laughs) Right. Equity would have us all have access to the same systems. But we don't we're not ready for that in this country. Correct. Uh, You know, part of part of my practice during quarantine life has really been a big part of it has been spiritual renewal. I've had the spaciousness to think and and just to go deep in myself. And I've really asked myself, where do I need to be shopping for my groceries? Where do I need to be um, spending my money? So one of the first things I did is look for a black farm where I could buy vegetables. And I was trying to join a CSA and whatnot. And we ended up, we ended up going to out to Smyrna south of town to to buy from a a women-owned farm nice um because there is still a gender disparity in farming Mm -hmm. yes but but even taking small steps like that of asking ourselves where do we buy our food is part of the work of 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 unhinging from these supremacy circles yeah and decentralizing the the need for um the the folks who are in power to right. continue to retain power we right. have to decentralize every single one of those structures and systems if right. we have any chance of dismantling the culture of supremacy that holds us and binds us i'm there for it i mean that's what we're trying to do with Activist Theology Project, that everyone has an equal voice. Unfortunately, funders want to see somebody in charge, but I wasn't willing to be the only one in charge. And so I partner with you to do that together. And, and even on this podcast, we try to share the platform and try to um, not diversify, but really create a politics of radical difference on this podcast to have voices that are underrepresented we share our platform and that is one way that our 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 way of unhinging and divesting from supremacy culture yes you know i um i was reading uh the other day and i uh, came across a quote by fanny lou hammer that really it stuck with me, but then last night I was thinking about it again, and it really just moved me into uh, this space of um, yes, damn it, like what? Yes, I just I just wanted to keep saying yes, and you know, Fannie Lou Hamer said that it's incumbent on us to turn the times when we are most sick and tired of unjust conditions into a resource for refusing to continue to be made sick and tired anymore. Mm. I'm going to say it one more time. We are to turn the times in which we are most sick and tired of unjust conditions into a resource for refusing to continue to be made sick and tired anymore. I hope above hope that the the way that we bring voices into the world is just a small minute contribution 
to as a resource for refusing to be sick and tired anymore. Yeah. Um, but more than that, I hope that the people that listen to our work and that read our work and that follow us in the world are finally getting to a point where they are willing to become a resource yeah for refusing to continue to be made sick and tired anymore and i think if we specifically those of you out there like me white people white people who are invested in the work white people who know they are doing good work and true work but also fully recognize that they are not doing enough work yeah how do we unhinge further how do we untangle further how do we make sure that no matter what men like george floyd do not continue to die at the hands of people that our people that uh, that white people think are heroes in the world right right how do women like amy cooper and other white women like her and white men like her find a way to stop blaming black america for every single thing that they can't have that they think they deserve right how do we do that and how do we become a resource for changing the face of supremacy culture in this world i i don't know the answer robin but i if if i do nothing for the remaining years that i have in my life it's the single most answer that i want to find yeah and i just want to bring into our conversation ella baker who in 1964 and it's a famous quote but she said until in the until the killing of black men black mother sons becomes as important to the rest of the country as the killing of a white mother's son we who believe in freedom cannot rest until this happens yes so when until black america becomes as important as white america yes we won't get anywhere and frankly i think most white americans don't give a shit about black america yes because they're comfortable where they are and they could care less whether or not a black person was killed and that my friends is sin yep it is and it's it's sin and it's the reason that we kneel it's the reason that we march it's the reason mm -hmm. that we have big mouths it's the reason that our families dislike us yeah. it's the reason it's the reason that all kinds of things um happen but until you're willing to have those things happen to you as a white person i don't i don't know what to tell you right we're on a journey.
We are. Thanks for sitting me sitting with me with this yeah. uh, this weight today, friend. Yeah. We have a lot this of work. Is the to work. Do. This is the work. This is the work. And I know that we're trying every day to dismantle and unhinge and make little moves against destructiveness, but until we come together in mass to stand up to this clan, to this modern day clan, the slave patrol. Yes. Um I'm afraid that we won't get anywhere. I agree. Well, until next week, friends, we're glad that you were with us this week to have this heavy conversation. Um, if you do nothing else this week, think about your own privilege and where you stand with things and don't forget to say his name. George Floyd. George Floyd. Are you looking to connect the dots between what you think and how you live? Are you looking for a more robust way to be in solidarity with the movement? Are you looking to get your hands dirty with the work of social justice? Join Dr. Robin and Reverend Anna Galladay each week as they share, reflect, and analyze on pressing social concerns. Want to help support this podcast? Go to Activist Theology kindful.com and click on podcast. And remember, activist and theology share a T. The music you hear in this episode is Hands Dirty by our friends Delta Ray. Our sound editor and engineer is Dan Medley from 10 South Sounds. <laughs>